0: It's my pleasure and privilege to introduce Marianne to you this morning. Marianne has known to us over many years. I know that, that Rod and Marianne have relocated to join us here, but we have known Marianne since before the fire. Marianne uh, was part of the journey way, way back, and I just want to say I I honour them, and they have been an exemplary couple in joining with us for a good two-year period, dipping in and making that journey, increasing our relationship. So it was no surprise to invite them on to the trustees and the leadership team here, and we're looking forward to the fullness. Marianne is a great minister, not in one lane either, not just. Just in one lane. I know that we all know that part of Rod and Marianne's ministry is healing and deliverance and inner healing and the depths of that. And they have been trained and equipped. In fact, Marianne is a trainer of trainers, um, which is a great. But we don't want to see either of them in one track because they are apostolic in their outlook and prophetic in their ministry. So please, Marianne, come and share the word with us this morning. Let's honor her. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's really
1: great to be able to share with you. I'm just getting hooked up um, with Suzanne's help. Yeah. All right. Uh, do I need the... Yeah, I've got them all. Good. Yeah. Okay. I'll do it on there, I think. Yeah, I'll just have to tap it. Okay. Um what a wonderful opportunity. I'm, I feel humbled actually to be able to speak here because so many, there are so many gifted, anointed people in this room, but also many, many anointed visitors have come and shared the word of the Lord in this place but i want to share with you this morning something that, that the lord has put on my heart so what we're going to have is a bit of teaching but also a prophetic sense that i have so i'm not going to apologize for what i bring but i'm also going to encourage you to participate a little bit as we go i'm going to try and break it up um, i'm excited about what god is is about to say and perhaps share. So Father, I just thank you that this is a house of worship and prayer. And Lord, that as we listen to you this morning, Father, would I surrender my voice and my heart to you. And Lord, would you release what you have for each person here and on the web, Lord, that we can corporately respond to what you have, weigh it up correctly, and then apply it in our lives. In the name of Jesus. Okay, this was the title that the Lord um, gave me. If you will build me an altar. Now, you might have a question about that. And by the way, I've got no jokes and no stories. Sorry, Steve. But um, I'm just just going to go with it. So altar, you might want to question me because you think, well, that's Old Testament, building altars, um, or is that an act of idolatry? Um, but actually, I'm not going to be No, it's not in the context of what I'm going to share. So it's actually an invitation from the Lord this morning uh, for us. Now, in a sense, uh, we'll discover that Jesus has already become that altar for us to come to through his work on the cross. But I'm going to start off by asking, when I say the word altar, what words come to mind? And you can shout them out if you want. I'm sorry, there's not a microphone, but... Yep, sacrifice is one. Worship, Worship is another. Fire, Fire. yep. Fire. Fire. Presence dedication. and dedication. All of these are going to be kind of part of what I want to share today. There's a question that we start with. Associated words. Here we are, we have them. Sacrifice. We've had that this morning. Jesus is our sacrifice, and we're called to be living sacrifices. Giving. We've just been giving to the Lord, not only financially, but in our worship. And I want us to keep that attitude of heart as I share, because this isn't a sit-down time, relax, put up your feet, and I'm here to entertain you. I'm certainly not. All right? I want to stir you with some of the things that I've got to share. So giving is a part of it. Worship is part of it. Consecration, and I heard the word dedication. The two are similar, um, and it's it, it's a kind of a setting apart. Now, I did look up the Hebrew word. For altar, which Mizrak, I can't really pronounce it. I'm going to put something else up in a minute, but it's from the root Zabak, which means coming. It comes from an old Akkadian word meaning place of slaughter. So I'm immediately thinking in my head slaughterhouse you know, where um, animals are taken, and I'm sorry if you're a vegetarian, but at the moment (laughs) animals, are uh, where they are slaughtered um, in in this country for meat, uh, for food, but uh, in the Old Testament times, which I'm talking about, you know, they were slaughtered in preparation for sacrifice on the altar. So it comes from that. But there's a Hebrew understanding wrapped around this word altar. And it means not just a place of of slaughter, but a Place where your old life is put to death in exchange for your new life in Christ. And that is something that we were learning this week in Freedom in Christ. We were called to take up our cross and follow Jesus because it's a choice that we all need to make. So I'm going to come to a, de- a dictionary definition. It's always good to go to the dictionary when we need a definition. So. Definition. This is uh, a religious definition, if you like. A table in a Christian church at which bread and wine are consecrated in communion services. So immediately you might be picturing a traditional church building with some steps in front of it and a table that you go up to and have communion. But you know, we can feast with the Lord at his table because we're remembering his sacrifice where he set himself apart on our behalf. Secondly, a table or flat-topped block used as the focus for religious ritual, especially for making sacrifices or offerings to a deity. So in the context of worship, um, sometimes you hear people um, on TV or uh, you know, when you're at a conf- Christian conference or somewhere, come to the altar. And there is no physical altar in sight necessarily. But it means come and make your offering before the Lord. Come and present yourself before the Lord because he's about to meet with you. All right and I I'm, I'm believing that as I'm sharing this morning let's have an expectant heart that the Lord wants to meet with you even as I speak. It's not about my words, but it's about the Holy Spirit who's speaking through me, who wants to speak to you and wants to connect to your heart and wants to stir your heart in a new way. He wants to cause his word to burn in our hearts, to stir us up, not just to be entertained, but so that our lives are changed, so that we can apply it and we can become different and we can become more like him. Now, Solomon was a man who made an altar. Okay, Old Testament um, scripture well-known, Solomon has spent a long time preparing the temple according to the pattern of the Lord, and then he prayed. And part of his prayer was this, um, that he he gave everything to the Lord. He had hundreds of sacrifices, and I haven't got uh, the figure, but it cost thousands and thousands of pounds, the giving that went on. And this was the Lord's response to that worship, to that consecration, to that dedication, I have heard your prayer and I have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. I have chosen this place. What is that place? That place is our heart, isn't it? Initially. I've chosen you. And he's waiting for a response. But when we're gathering corporately, he wants that corporate gathering place to become this house of sacrifice where he can meet with us. And it's not anything that we can do to make him come, but we can certainly do things like share communion, break bread, we can worship, we can offer ourselves, we can give. It's something that Jane was sharing the other day. And he meets with us when we commune with him. Not just in the secret place, but in the corporate place. So, I like to go to the first mention um, often in the Word of God, where the Lord mentions this word, altar. And we have the first mention of it in Genesis eight twenty to 21 I don't know if I've got the scripture written I probably haven't. And it says this in the scripture. Noah went out, um, and his sons and his wife, he's coming out of the ark after the flood. Let me put it in context. The flood is finished, the flood has ended, he's landed, the land is dry, and he comes out with his family. So he comes out with his sons and his wife with him, and then you know God says, um, well, he brings out, sorry, he releases every animal, every creeping thing, every bird that had been in the ark, and then... It says this, verse 20, Genesis 8, verse 20. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Now, this just wasn't just one animal. It was more than one. It was several, every. It says every clean animal, not all of them, but one from each kind, and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And we know in the Old Testament there's loads of different kinds of offerings that you can lay on an altar. So this was the first time Noah seemed to know what to do. And then this is the Lord's response. He smelled a soothing aroma, and, he, and the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. Although the imagination of a man's heart is evil from his youth, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. So a covenant was made as Noah created an altar and I was really interested in this scripture. I kind of get in deep sometimes and I look at the meanings of the numerology, I look at the meaning meanings of the words, and I was fascinated to discover this. Genesis means beginnings. We're in chapter eight. Eight means beginning, right? Resurrection. Twenty. Does anyone know what twenty means? Okay, let's see. All right, we've got that, beginning resurrection. 20, a perfect waiting period. So, and you can look it up in Scripture, and you can find out that Jacob waited 20 years before he returned back to the promised land. This is really significant for this time that we're in, because the Lord is saying the waiting time is over. The waiting time is over. It's a new season, and we could take it a bit further. Um, again, just be liberal with me if you like. You know, 20 is also 2 times 10. And 10 is testimony, law, uh, completeness of the law, the authority of God. And 2 is witness. So there's a witness in this covenant-making. God responds. He says, there's a new beginning. You're waiting times over now. I'm making a new covenant with you, with all of mankind, with the land, in the place where you've just landed. Now, can we immediately jump forward to the New Testament and think of another situation where we had a new beginning after a sacrifice and a new order was released? Jesus. Jesus, our Passover lamb, brought in a new alt- order on the altar of the cross. He was selected as the Passover lamb to take away the sins of the world and begin a new covenant, a new order. And that selection began on the 10th day of Nisan, the first month. So there is a new beginning. And this, right in the beginning of the Bible, we have this looking forward to the perfect sacrifice and the atonement of Jesus Christ. So it's time for the new. So let's just... Put this into context of time. I like to put it in time. I'm going to get back to the altar in a minute. But I want to put it in the context not just of the biblical time, but the time that we're in now. And we all know that we have just entered a new decade the decade of pay, the decade of the mouth. Um, It's the eighth month. Right Here we have eight again, and then we have, it's called cheshvan. Now here, I'm going to take this a bit liberally because the Lord spoke to me about the letters in this this word. It actually means eighth month, but I was looking at the Hebrew equivalent of the ch, the sh, and the n at the end. So let me uh, just break that down a bit. Okay, so ch or chet. Is a fence or a place of refuge? Sh, or is a shin, right? And the picture of it means teeth or destruction or consumption. So I'm talking about the pictures here for those who may not know uh, that are associated with Hebrew letters. You've got numbers and pictures associated with them. And then the nun. I've left out the vav on purpose, but here we are. We've got the nun. Seed, air, uh, Continue. So if we put all of this together, right, we have, right, we've got an ark, haven't we? Okay, so we have the fence, the protection, the refuge. That was Noah and his family in the ark. They were given refuge, a, a picture of atonement. They were saved from judgment. They were preserved for uh, mer- on, through God's mercy and grace. Noah built an altar in thank offering sacrifice. The Lord was attracted and he ordained a covenant, in a covenant with the earth. And so this is a picture of a new era for, if you like, man to begin again, to have a new heir, a new inheritance. And of course, that new heir that was going to, to birth a new people was Jesus Christ. Alright? So those, if I just summarize that again of those letters, we've got refuge, preservation, all right, and then seed. If I just summarize it. Refuge, preservation, seed. And then there was a time for that to be released and established. OK. I hope that makes that clear. So let's go back to this altar. OK. In the Old Testament, we have two altars. But I'm going to be working around this word consecration. In Hebrew, it's the word kadash. It's very uh, linked to the word holy. And there are two altars. Sorry, I just better do this. Set apart, chosen for a special purpose. Let's just do that. I've missed out a bit. Never mind. Oh, no. Oh, I've lost my place a bit. Don't worry about this. Okay. So, in the Old Testament, there are two altars, and I I want to go back to them. I don't know if I've got back to Sorry, I've lost my place in here a minute. Maybe Sorry, thank you for your patience. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I wanted. Okay, you've got the slide. I was getting ahead of myself. Okay, before I go into the Scriptures a bit more, two altars... Right, the altar of sacrifice in the tabernacle, as you went into the outer court in the wilderness, that's where the animals were sacrificed, where the priests slaughtered the animals for the atonement of the people. And then in the inner place, we had the altar of incense. The chapter that speaks of the altar of incense is the 80th chapter in the Bible. And we're in We're in a year of 80, we're in a decade of 80, thinking about 80 and 8. So I sense that the Lord is really wanting to speak to us through this. So I'm going to just share with you a bit about the altar of incense. It was overlaid in gold, it was consecrated for worship and ministry unto the Lord in the holy place. Um, And there were other furniture in that place. There was the bread of the presence and there was a lampstand. And it was a place, as you know, where priestly ministry took place place priest is a pay word okay so we're going to focus on the, on the altar of incense and we know that the bread of the presence is like representative of the word of god feeding on the word of god the lampstand is the light the holy spirit but then the altar of incense is all about worship and all the furniture was consecrated once a year with blood applied by the high priest for ministry and As you know, the the high priest would go in there, or the priest would go in there. And for us, that speaks of Jesus, our great high priest, but also our ministry as priests. So the altar, now, as we've already said, is our heart. On the inside, of, in the inner place, our hearts are that altar where we have appropriated the sacrifice of Christ born again and is now the place where we have been consecrated and set apart to connect in intimate relationship with the Lord through the sacrifice of worship and prayer, the altar of incense, spending time daily in the secret place with him. It's a continual priestly ministry of worship and prayer. We're to feast on the, on the word... Oh, the bread of life, offering up our praise and prayer, our, uh, you know, inviting him to fill us with the oil of Holy Spirit. Oh, I don't want to lose my place here. Get my papers in order. Right. So, it's where God would meet. It's a place of God's presence. Um, and it's a place where God would sometimes turn up Uh, and manifest his presence, and I'm going to come to that later on in in the talk. But um, we're there as we get filled, as we get recharged, as we get stirred up, we're to become, if you like, carriers of his glory, a place of his presence, to be a sign and a wonder to those around us. But we need to surrender to that process and allow him to tend to the garden of our heart. He ministers to us, and he calls us to minister to him. Okay, so now let's go to the scriptures. So here we have the word consecration, I was getting ahead of myself, so set apart, chosen, special purpose, there we go, and then I'm going to look at three scriptures, which I'm actually going to hopefully get us to read together. If you can see it. If not, could, uh, if you could turn to it. But I think just to keep us focused, um, this is where the word consecration is first uh, mentioned. So it's all in the book of Joshua. So let's go. And Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Second one, Joshua 7.13. Get up sanctify the people and say, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow. Because the Lord God of Israel says, there is an accursed thing in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. And then again, and Joshua 20 verse 7, so they appointed Cities of refuge. That's all in the context of consecrating and dedicating something. So the first one, um, it was they were about to cross over. The Israelites were about to cross over into their promised land. They were going into a totally new place. They had been in the wilderness, and Joshua is about to lead them in. And the Lord says, "I'm about to do a miracle amongst you, but you need to prepare yourselves. I'm about to do wonders." But you need to get ready. You need to set yourselves apart and have this fresh consecration so that you are all united as one before me as my special people. And then you're going to see me do wonders. And one of the first wonder that he did was to part the waters of the Jordan as the presence went in and the priests carry the, uh, the presence in the form of the ark in the, in the Jordan. It, the river was in flood and it held back the waters and they, it made a way. It prepared a way. It made a way for them to cross over. Secondly was in the battle of AI, where um, they, had, they had disobeyed God and someone had hidden um, some spoil in their tent, and it was, it was actually um, preventing them from getting the victory in battle. And the Lord says, You need to deal with a curse, you've partnered with the enemy. You need to deal with a curse. Get on and get this thing out of you because I want to take you into a place of victory. But you need to deal with the judgments that's come upon you because you cannot enter the place of victory until you've dealt with a curse. You know, and this is a time when we need to look at our hearts. And we're not going to, you know, navel gaze. But we need to allow the Lord to say, deal with the curse. Deal with a curse in your family line. Deal with the the judgments that you may have partnered with. And the way you've looked at other people. The way that you've partnered with the enemy. Because I want you to lead you across in victory. I want to see whole cities taken for me. But if you want to see the cities transformed, you've got to deal with a curse. And then he said... Last of all, the cities of refuge, the set-apart, consecrated cities of refuge. This is something that we were praying on Friday in the, um, in, in the prayer academy, you know, about our local cities. That, and, but also beyond into Europe and in the nations, that the Lord has marked cities for his presence And that means that word there, it says appointed cities of refuge. That word means consecrated and set apart. Whole cities. What if whole cities were filled with the presence and glory of the Lord and people could not stand up as in the temple of Solomon under the presence of the Lord because his presence was so heavy there because there's an open heaven. Isn't that what we want? But, you know, we need to be come to the Lord and say, Okay Lord, I will allow you to consecrate my heart afresh as an altar before you. I need you to also as he allows you to as you do that, we need to do that corporately. Because it's not just about me, it's not just about Steve. It's not just about um Dit or um Suzanne or Maria or anyone else or Gwen, you know It is, but it isn't. But it's important that you get your heart right. But beyond that, allow the Lord to do a new work in it so that when we come together and you bring your portion, which is vital, okay, vital for everybody else, that we are corporately making this new altar. And it's the altar of incense. And, you know, he says you're a chosen generation you are a royal priesthood a holy nation in 1 peter 2 9 to 10 for those of you who want the scripture you know you you may proclaim the mouth that steve's been preaching on that you may declare that you may proclaim that you may speak the praises of him who called you out of darkness that you might testify into his marvelous light you were once not a people, you were once nobodies, but I've made you somebodies, all right? You hadn't obtained mercy, but now you have because you've gone to that first altar. And by the way, if there's anyone here or on the web who's never made a commitment to Jesus Christ, today is a good day. You know, it, we were praying about it, we were worshiping about it, and the, it was an invitation. There's always an open invitation, come and get your life right. Come and get your life right with God and go to that altar of the cross that he might set you apart and show you the destiny that he has for you. So let's go back to the uh, holy place and the altar of incense. Let's read this because I'm going to pick out some some of the um, ingredients of incense that we might understand it a bit more. But let's let's read this because I think it's good to activate our spirits it's good for our spirits to speak out the word as steve was saying uh, last week and the week before so are you ready exodus 30 1 to 10 you shall make an altar to burn incense on you shall make it of acacia wood a cubit shall be its length and a cubit its width it shall be square and two cubits shall be its height Its horns shall be of one piece with it and you shall overlay its top, its sides all around and its horns with pure gold and you shall make for it a moulding of gold all around. Two gold rings you shall make for it under the moulding on both its sides. You shall place them on its two sides and they will be holders for the poles with which to bear it. You shall make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold, and you shall put it before the veil that is before the ark of the testimony, before the mercy seat that is over the testimony, where I will meet with you. There's the promise, and then we're going to go on to the next. Aaron shall burn on it sweet incense every morning when he tends the lamps, He shall burn incense on it and when Aaron lights the lamps at twilight he shall burn incense on it a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations you shall not offer strange incense on it or a burnt offering or a grain offering nor shall you pour a drink offering on it and Aaron shall make atonement upon its horns once a year with the blood of the sin offering of atonement. Once a year, he shall make atonement upon it throughout your generations. It is most holy to the Lord. Okay, I'm gonna read another one in a second here. And this is the incense itself. And the Lord said to Moses, take sweet spices, stacked an onica and galbanum, and pure frankincense with these sweet spices there shall be equal amounts of each you shall make of these an incense a compound according to the art of the perfumer salted pure and holy and you shall beat some of it very fine and put some of it before the testimony in the tabernacle of meeting where i will meet with you it shall be most holy to you but as for the incense which you shall make you shall not make any for yourselves according to its composition it shall be holy for the lord whoever makes any like it to smell it he shall be cut off from his people so if you noticed when the earlier scriptures The incense altar is covered in gold. So as we know, that's a covering of heaven. It's a covering of glory. And that's what you're all wearing. And that's what the Father sees you as. So if you think yourself of anything less than, he's not looking at that. He's looking at the beautiful garments, not just of salvation, not just of your sonship, but of the glory that's wrapped around you. And so as you come to him, You do have an opportunity, of course. We know we need to confess things before we come into his presence. We need to apply the blood. But then this is our ministry, our first ministry to him. Covered in that glory, we're there to burn the incense that he provides. We don't make it because if we try and do it ourselves, it's a bad smell. And it's like offering an idol to him. So the incense... The first ingredient, stacked, or stacked, I'm not very good at Hebrew pronouncing. I'm sure Dit can put me right, or Maria. But um, the Hebrew word for that is nataf, and it means a drop. It's a fragrant gum from a storax tree. It's sometimes known as myrrh or the balm of Gilead. But it's particularly pure myrrh, because the stalk of the tree has to be pierced three times to get the purest mow myrrh and it has to be broken and crushed to get it so many of you will know that myrrh is associated with the suffering of Jesus it's one of his gifts that he received at his birth but he's also known as the balm of Gilead he's known as our healer and our suffering servant and he heals us spiritual physical moral and morally and emotionally as we worship Through our brokenness, as we break our alabaster box in our extravagant giving, and it's not just money, it's giving of yourself, giving of your time, giving of your possessions, it's all sorts of things. As you prepare your heart, you can expect a new level of healing in your life. Let me just... If I, lost oh, I thought I'd put that up and say sorry. Okay, so there we are. So mer represents the preparation and the brokenness that we, we have as we can come into his presence. The next one is onik, onika, I think. In Hebrew, shekeleth. It it's actually means appealing off. How many of us don't allow, you know, we allow the Lord to come just this, maybe that hold Him at a distance But I don't want you to touch that, God, because I'm ashamed of it. I'm not ready to deal with that yet. Or I'm not feeling very safe about that. So I'll just hold on to that and just keep you at a distance. He wants us to get closer and closer with him. I believe we're being called to a deeper level of intimacy. And there is always more to peel off. But it means that we have to go deeper, that we have to be uh, at a deeper level of vulnerability with one another, um, as well as with him. You know, this peeling off is a scale. It's a sweet-smelling part of a shellfish found in the Red Sea in the Indian Ocean. Um, And another meaning, as you can see up there, it means to release the roar, the roar of a lion. So, where does the roar come from? It comes from the depths of our heart, but we need to allow him access to that deep place. We need to allow him in. We've let him in when we got born again, but you know, we need to let him into the innermost layers. You know, it can be a scary thing to make ourselves vulnerable because we can have all the fear that comes up that prevents us from getting into intimacy with God and with one another because we're afraid of abuse. We're afraid of being trampled on. All kinds of fears come up, but the Lord will never do that. And so we need to allow the Lord to process us. We need to allow him more access to our hearts so that we sound like him. Okay? We want to sound like him, and I believe we are moving in that way. The next one, galbanum, is fat. Fairly obvious. Uh, it's a fatty gum um, in the Hebrew word of it. I'm not going to pronounce that, but it means, you know, we can say, okay, what does that mean for us, God? It means giving your best. It doesn't mean just attending church. It doesn't mean just having some time with the Lord. You know, it's a, it's a lifestyle, it's an attitude of heart. Because you love Him, you don't want to disappoint Him, but you don't want to get into performance okay, because then you're trying to do it yourself, but you want to please him. You don't want to break his heart. You know, when we sin, and this is not a condemnation statement, we break his heart. When we make the wrong choice, and we were talking about that, we're thinking about that today, uh, not today, this week, in Freedom in Christ, how important it is to make the right choice. But, you know, the lust of the flesh pulls us into making the wrong choices because we're, we're hungering for something. You know, we're not satisfied. So we look to earthly things, and it can be a number of things, from sexual relationships to, you know, needing more possessions, holidays, or whatever. You, there's nothing wrong with any of those it's in the right context. But, you know, he wants our whole heart. And we don't want to break his heart by what we do you know we need to allow him to break us open so that we can give him our best and this galbanum is finely crushed when it burns it brings out prolonged scent of all the other spices we want to be those burning ones do we not I want to be that burning one and it, but there's a cost finally crushed this spice brings consistency to the other ones. It's prepared in the fire. It's, it's it's there to last. But again, another thing about its scent, as you can see up there, it drives away the enemies. Our enemies. Now, this is something that we faced in Cyprus when we were on outreach last summer. We were plagued by mosquitoes, and I'm I'm not exaggerating. There were millions of them in this. We were doing outreach in this tent, and we were giving away art to passers-by. Just 10-minute drawings, for those of you who don't know what we were doing, or paintings, giving prophetic words, releasing healing, seeing salvation. I'm saying that as if it's just a casual thing. No, the Lord met us at the point of faith, thank God, and turned up. And we saw him move, which was such a privilege. But in the midst of that, we were contending with mosquitoes. <laughs> So, you know, we did worship actually in the tent, but we had to find ways of repelling them. And one of them was using peppermint oil, all right? Peppermint oil has a fragrance, does it not? And apparently it repels mosquitoes, okay? So our worship needs to be that which repels the onslaught of the enemy. And it's not something we can do in our own strength. But as we partner with the Lord, as we allow the Holy Spirit to release that that raw and that costly worship to him, the enemy just has to watch as we feast, does he not? Okay, um, next one frankincense, another one about giving our best. You know, this is another gift that, um, a priestly gift, but again, Jesus received that at his birth, as we know that. But it's also representing holiness and prayer. The tree is bruised three times. Okay, it's a perfect number again, isn't it? The threes come up again. You know, he was in the grave three days. Three times to cause the resin to be released. The best quality comes from the third bruising, just like the myrrh, you know, with the spike, the three times. Spikes driven into a tree, and as we know, he was wounded and bruised for us, our transgressions. By his stripes we are healed. But then there's a fragrance released Corinthians speaks about the fragrance of Christ as we die to ourselves. You know, we want to spread the aroma of Christ wherever we go. But the smoke that comes off frankincense is white, and it represents holiness. So whenever we're going through trials, you know, God is not punishing us. He may be testing us and refining us, but if we hang in there with the right attitude of heart, when we respond correctly to it, rather than running away from it, saying, Lord, what are you doing in this? You know, we can run away to protect ourselves, but we need to face him. We need to face people sometimes. And he's doing that to draw the best out. He wants the best for you and me. And then one of the last things which surprised me was salt and salt um is only put in a small amount it's sprinkled in and you can read about the covenant of salt in the old testament you can google it find out about it it's it's mentioned with abraham it's just, it you know people would um exchange salt which was a very precious um ingredient and they would mix each other's salt in their pouches to um represent covenant what is mine is yours what is yours Mine, sort of. We're familiar with that in wedding vows. So it represents friendship, but also its qualities or, um, represent forgiveness, cleansing, healing, and preservation. You know, the Lord wants to preserve us, but he wants to preserve us in our relationships. Not just with him, but with one another. And so often we think we can just break off because we don't get on. We can only break off and move on when the Lord has said... I'm moving you on because I've got something better for you in a new place where I want to use you in a new way and deal with you in a new way often. But salt is maybe the smallest amount, but it's powerful. Now, at this point, you've been listening to me long enough, so um, I have a few more things that I want to say, but I'm going to invite you to respond if you'd like to. I've got a worship song. Which is may the fire on my altar never burn out. If you'd like to listen to it, feel free. I'm not it's it's seven minutes, but I'm not gonna play it for seven minutes. I'm only gonna play a bit of it. If you want to join in with it, do. But you know, if this has stirred you and you feel you want to respond saying, Lord, I wanna be that altar. I want to be freshly consecrated. To you in this new season, I want to be able to give my best. I want to be my best for you and allowing you to take me through a process that you're doing. I want you to allow you to peel off the layers, to take away the shell that I've put around myself. And I want to be that fragrant aroma. So I'm going to make sure I've got my thing. If it's going to play, if it's not, I might have to ask. It's not hasn't even got a. It's not wanting to play for some reason. So we may have to. If you can find it on the, on YouTube. I don't know. I had it as a video on my PowerPoint, but. Pardon? Yeah, well, it just hasn't got the arrow to press play on here, I don't think. I don't know. Might need some... I usually have a thing. Have you tried it out before? Yeah, yeah, at home. But it might be that it needs connecting Uh to the internet. But if um, the guys at the back... (laughs) It just, it's may the fire mail to never burn out. And it's, it's with lyrics. You can find it on YouTube really quick. Yeah, they've got it. So, I'll take this out. No? 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 no. I've turned this right up. <laughs> Let me just take this out. Sorry about this, guys. It's a bit of tech. That's the one here. Do you want this? Thank you, Suzanne. We're going to get it. Do you want to, uh, yeah, yeah. I have to get reconnected. This is good. Good illustration, isn't it? That we need to sometimes take time, have a pause, reflect, and reconnect. You know. And this is like your pause moment <laughs> in, in the midst. <laughs> so we'll only just play about half of it, and then um, there'll be another pause for you while I reconnect. Okay, thanks so much. Cool, thank you. Okay, good, we're good.
2: Yeah, let's be a prayer. Lord, make me a house, make me a house of prayer, a house of prayer. The fire on my altar never burn out The fire on my altar never burn out May the fire on my altar never burn out Make me a house of prayer. I want to seek your face, seek Seek your your face. Oh Lord, make me a house, make me a house of prayer, a house of prayer. May the fire on my altar never burn out. May wow. sa- the fire on my altar never, never burn out. the fire of my never burn Make us burn a of a house the fire on my altar never burn out. the fire on my altar never burn out. May the fire on my altar never burn out. Your face, seek your face, oh Lord May be a house. Thank make make you, Lord. That is a us house a prayer, of prayer. A house of prayer. May the fire on my altar never burn so thank you, Lord.
1: May the fire on this altar, may the fire, heavenly fire, never go out. Yeah. We're going to reconnect and we're going to just talk about one or two practicalities. Now, I'm not, you'll be glad to hear, I'm going to be teaching on prayer this morning because you need to come to Prayer Academy if you want to join in with that because we've been having some amazing teaching from um, Jenny and Suzanne and Jane um, so far this term on a Friday and it's inspired us to go deeper with prayer it's equipping us as well and stirring up those flames that we need because uh, it's very easy sometimes for those flames to die down and we don't need to just pray on our own do we we need to pray together and we need um, that fire of God and the fire of God that was on the on the incense altar you think well where did that fire come from? Well, it came, yeah, just <laughs> I hope i've lost my powerpoint. It came um from the altar of sacrifice um in the old testament, you know in the in the front of the tabernacle where the, in the outer court, it came from the altar of sacrifice, and as they were clearing out the ashes, the priests would regularly renew um the uh coals on the incense altar and he would take the fire of the sacrifice which came from heaven if you like it was a heavenly fire and he would bring it and put it on the altar of incense so it's the fire of god that ignites our hearts to pray yeah fantastic thanks okay we just yeah yeah great oh it's all right i might have to zip through this (laughs) quickly I don't know. I don't know. It's just. I'm just doing this. uh, This is just to quickly get me to the right place. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. We're there. there. Right. Good. Thank you for your patience. Okay. So. Practicalities, as I said, I'm not going to teach on it, but you know, we need to have that love that God gives us. We need to have the fire of heaven, love that sacrifices and surrenders all. Love that gives really attracts him. You know, it's a love that's satisfied with nothing else than knowing him and his abiding presence. And Jesus will manifest himself to this kind of devotion because he gave himself for us. He gave his best. He gave everything. And then resurrection power has been manifest. And he was able to birth us and he wants our love so he can reveal more of his love. It's not just a one-off thing. He always wants to reveal more of his love in and through us and to us. And his promise is always to be with us, that his, you know, that's in his word. We need to receive and accept that love. We need to rejoice in it. We need to live in his word. We need to renounce and forsake everything that does not lead to him. We need to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, as it says here in Romans twelve two. I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice a living sacrifice not a dead sacrifice but a living one holy and acceptable to God which is your reasonable service ministry I'm going to change that word to ministry because you have servitude you know that it's kind of almost performance orientated but we need to minister we need to minister to the Lord You know, when did we last corporately minister to the Lord? Well, we could say, actually, I believe we did this morning. But often, we can come, we can be so focused on what needs to be done for kingdom, we forget to minister to the Lord. And he's waiting to receive our love. He's waiting for that love response. It's not because he's... He is thirsty for it, but it's because he wants to then meet with us and release his love. We were saying this morning in the watch that we need to have more of the, the prophetic atmosphere. And that's a prophetic atmosphere of, uh, that's motivated by love. Everything he does is motivated by love. Everything. So, you know, he would manifest his presence. And I started out at the beginning with Solomon. Um, you know, in 2 Chronicles 7.12, then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night. Night, it wasn't the day, it was night. Maybe that was another element of sacrifice. And he said to him, I heard your prayer. I've chosen this place for myself. The manifest presence of God came in that place because of the giving, because of the devotion, because of the consecration. And again, it, we can't strive to do that, but we can offer ourselves. You know, there's a protocol and a pattern for prayer. The tabernacle shows us that. The cross shows us that. We've been teaching about, you know, learning about the Lord's prayer again. You know, uh, there's, a, there's a way of coming into his presence. There are conditions, you know, for repentance and forgiveness and so on. Suzanne has been teaching about unity. But then... Having done all, and we stand and we give all, the Lord comes. And I want to share with you some examples um, from the New Testament. We can, I mean, I've said about um, Solomon, but I've picked some. You can look them up for yourselves. you know. But I've picked some from the New Testament. And here they are. Um, Zechariah. I'm not going to read the scripture this morning because time is passing us by, but look it up. Zechariah was in the priesthood, and um, he had an appointed time, as you know, to come and minister to the Lord in the temple. The people were expectant, because often when the priest had spent time in the inner place, he would come out and release the priestly blessing on the people. The people were waiting, but as Zechariah was ministering to the Lord, the angel Gabriel came. The angel Gabriel came in the in the holy place and not only did he just appear and give him a you know an exciting encounter for the sake of it he had a purpose there was preparation and then there was purpose and the purpose was a new birth and think about You know, Noah, back at the beginning, he was set apart because the Lord was about to birth something new in the earth. And right fast forward, Jesus came to birth something new. We're in a season where he's birthing something new. But there are conditions. A devotional worship. So in comes the angel Gabriel. There was angelic encounters. And he announced a prophetic word to Zechariah. And what was that prophetic word? It was to birth him a son, meaning John means beloved, but that guy had a purpose. He was a prophet and he was there to prepare the way of the Lord. We're in a season where we're being called to prepare the way of the Lord as we partner with him in a new way. But there is a protocol for that. Setting ourselves apart uh, in devotional worship. And again, not just so that we can, the end is the worship in itself. All right, There's a purpose beyond. But we need That love relationship, that intimacy. Now, the other examples that I have are... One might be slightly surprising. They're related to to, two watches, actually. And again, the watches are a whole other area of study and so on. But I'm going to start with Mary as I've put her on here. I just want to make sure that I've got the right thing. Yeah, Mary the morning watch, right? It was the third day. You know, Jesus was in the tomb. She was devoted to Jesus. She wasn't the only one. It was actually a group of women, but depending which account you read. But she'd prepared her spices beforehand. It mentions that in Luke 23, 56. But she was going early in the morning, the morning watch. She was seeking after Jesus. Now, obviously, she knew he was dead but even in his death she was seeking to minister to Jesus and as she sought Jesus it's a bit like practicing the presence of God if you like it began with a longing to find him she separated herself from all else from the comments of the disciples or anybody else so no one else was around and she pressed through her fear fear of the Romans perhaps To him, and we know what she discovered. Jesus came, and she didn't recognize him. Notice he came in a new form. You know, Jesus doesn't always manifest his presence to us in the same way. Sometimes it takes me a while to realize, oh, that was God. <laughs> that was Jesus. I didn't recognize you. I'm sorry. But he wants to show us more and more of himself in many, many different facets. Here, he who is in his resurrected form. And he called her name, he was intimate with her. Okay. And if you like, it was the fulfillment, you could say, of a promise like this because. Before he died, when Jesus was talking to the disciples, he'd washed their feet. They were having Passover together. He said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. So it's the word and the spirit. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. We've been talking about a resting place in this place. A resting place in various places in the UK and Europe. The Lord is looking for a place to rest Noah and the ark. He released the dove and the dove came back and rested when it was ready to land. He's looking for a resting place that we might abide in his presence. Okay, the second one, very quickly. Emmaus, the evening watch. Cleopas and his friend were out on a walk. The evening watch is one in which is often a time to regroup, to meditate and reflect, whereas the morning watch was a time of breaking open. Mary was the first one to announce the fact that she'd seen the Lord. So the evening watch, meditation, reflection, you know that they were concerned, they'd been through a trauma, they'd seen Jesus die, they were walking along and Jesus joined them on the road and they didn't recognize him when he drew near. He spoke and their hearts began to burn within them and he opened up the word to them and they still didn't recognize him. They were stirred, they were burning, all right, they were seeking his presence and so they said, stay, stay with us, Lord. Stay. Don't move on. And then when they had the communion, their eyes were opened. He revealed himself in that moment of intense devotion. So it was a new manifestation of the presence of the Lord. We need to offer ourselves afresh. Maybe we need a new rhythm of prayer, a times of watching, It will develop over time. We can't do everything overnight, but we need to be willing to what he's asking us to do, how we can practice his presence. Abide with me, and I will come and make my home with you. I'll cause you to bear fruit. Fruit comes from intimacy. We want to bear fruit, don't we? We want the harvest to come. He wants us to be a house of prayer for all nations. So let's allow him to overturn the tables of the robbers, As he did just before his crucifixion, he was cleansing the house. We often associate that time just around Passover. Let's allow him to clean house and turn over the tables of the robbers because love that sacrifices everything attracts him. You know, we need another Pentecost. We need a renewed celebration of God's word and a call to rededicate ourselves to the study and practice of his word in the power of Holy Spirit. Because whoever has his commands and keeps them is the one loved by him. He will be loved by the Father, as it says in John 14, 24, uh, 21. And he will show himself to us. So I'm coming to the end. Okay, Jesus is the embodiment of the Father's word and the Holy Spirit. He is the enabler to help us remember his word and speak them in a way that's meaningful to others around us. So, if you will build me an altar, the month of Cheshvan is often associated with a second chance as we think about Noah being saved and coming out of the ark. Is this a season for our second chance again? God, you know, it's always a second chance, isn't there, with the Lord, but sometimes there's a timing on it. Um to move deeper and further into him because our inner life is reflected in our outward life, a call as we enter the new. He who has my commandments, here it is, John fourteen and keeps them is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father. I will love him and manifest myself to him. The Holy Spirit will remind you so we don't have to worry and strive. He's our helper. He sent him... In his name, he will teach us all things and bring us to remembrance all things that he said to us. So we need to work those prophetic words but allow him to bring to remembrance. Now, as I finish, um, I'm just going to invite you again to, if you'd like to take part in something, Suzanne's got some um, handouts and it's an invitation to get in pairs and it may be a surprising sort of activation after what I've just been talking, but actually it's asking God to fill you afresh with himself. But it starts off, I've adapted it, it's a blessing. I'm going to play a song, and now again, I I don't know if they can do it. It's it's from Only a Shadow um, by Misty Edwards. And um, it's set your love on me. But if we don't get the song, we'll do the other day. But it's nice to have some music that goes with it. Because there's some words with a song. It says, what would a man give for love? If a man gave for love all the wealth of his house, he would utterly despise the recognition. If a man gave all that he had for love, he would count it all as nothing in the end. Because love loves to love, and the reward of love is love. i tell you a mystery. I'm speaking about Christ Christ and his bride. For this reason, he left his father's house. How then should we respond? Be the fire in my heart. Be the fire in my soul. Be the fire in my heart immortal. Set your love on me. So I just think it would be good to have that. <laughs> it, was about, it means I have to keep reconnecting here and disconnecting, but if we could get that, it would be brilliant if we could have that on. And then if, as you've listened to that, just a couple of minutes into it, we'll turn the sound down a bit. And if with your partner, as it says on the words, bless, take it in turns to read it as a blessing over one another. I bless you with blah, blah, blah. And then we're going to finish with a declaration that we're all going to declare, if you want to, of course, over ourselves. The same thing, like we've received it. I've received this, what you want to impart to me, Lord. So is that okay? So it's um, we're going to just enjoy this, <laughs> and for those of you on the web, I'm sorry that you won't see the words of what we're about to share, but we can perhaps put them up at the end. It's um, an adaptation from Ephesians uh, three sixteen to nineteen in the Passion Translation, um, but I will need to reconnect actually for the corporate declara- declaration. Okay. So only a shadow. Um, so just have a listen to this. And then we'll turn it down a bit and pray.
2: We hear the heartbeat. What would a matter?
1: Would you like to just turn to someone and if you feel you want to take part in this just allow that person to bless you with the first paragraph on the top
2: just turn to your partner and
1: for those on the web I'll just read it um, while you're doing it so I can bless you with that so may the Lord unveil with you within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favour until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with his divine might and explosive power. Then by constantly using your faith, may the life of Christ be released deep inside of you and the resting place of his love become the very source and root of your life. I bless you with the empowerment to discover what every holy one experiences, the great magnitude of the astonishing love
2: of Christ and
1: the Father in all its dimensions. I bless you with knowing is love. how deeply and intimate love is and love. far-reaching His love is, love
2: how and enduring and inclusive it is. Lord, we want to give you your heart's desire to give you
1: what you're looking may for. May the Father's endless love, beyond you. measurement, that transcends your understanding, may this extravagant love pour into you right now. Right now. Until you are filled with overflowing with the fullness of God. Thank you, Lord. Let's just finish with this. And I just thank you for your attention. But let's declare this over one another. Shall we stand? and do this because it's such a powerful thing and you're receiving this for yourself someone has just spoken that over you and then you on the web you can join in if you'd like to okay so personal declaration adapted from Ephesians 3:16 to 19 ready i receive the unveiling of the unlimited riches of the glory and favor of the lord as his supernatural strength flows and most being with his divine might and explosive power. As I choose to constantly use my faith and receive and release the life of Christ deep inside of me, the resting place of his love within me becomes the very source and root of my life. I declare I am being empowered to discover what every holy one experiences, the great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions. I receive and believe the knowledge and experience of how deeply intimate and far-reaching his love is for me, how enduring and inclusive it is. His endless love is beyond measurement That transcends my understanding. This extravagant love pours into me until I am filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. Hallelujah! We are filled with the fullness of God. Thank you, Jesus. And I just bless you all to have a brilliant week. There you are. And and thanks very much. Bless you. Bless you, Marianne. Thank you.